if, if I could dance, if only I could dance, I would have been dancing for you up here. In a, I, I met a guy who uh, came here with uh, Brooklyn, uh, Andre, and they said he could dance. I, sh- I would have, should have brought you up here to do a little dancing, Andre, but I don't, haven't known you long enough. So, Can I just thank you as a church for your patience over these last uh, few years? Uh, some of you have given sacrificially to, to get us even to the point where we could purchase this piece of property for a young church plant. And uh, can I tell you, I had a few sleepless nights. I, I, tr- I do a pretty good job of not worrying, but can I just tell you that when you, uh, when you raise on the level of four or five million dollars for a piece of property and then it doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, and you know, and I mean, I only went on two vacations uh, with that money, but uh, no, I mean, but you, you think, well, I wonder what people think, and let's set up a different, can I just tell you, thank you for your love, for your encouragement, for your patience, for your for your continued support, uh, we are going to get this done in Jesus' name. Look, we've had, we've had all kinds of people were dreaming and had some visions some 30 years ago that there would be a church on that corner and that they believed that and, and, and just all kinds of crazy things and it just seemed and then we'd get the, our guts ripped out at the last second. It, it just seemed to continues, continuously happen. For those of you who don't know, we were in and out of escrow multiple times and yet we're finally arriving at that day. Now, what the future, Just can I just prep you with this? You're going to ask me when we're going to start building, when we're going to start building. We'll probably hopefully close in March. We've got a little, uh, just a little tidying up to do as it relates to the parcel map. And I don't know, I'm just parroting this because I don't understand any of this. I'm a backswing watcher by trade, as you know. So, um, and people say, well, how are we going to do? And the the trustees will come together and they'll determine some debt to equity ratio so we don't get ourselves in in a situation that's untenable and and I hope we can start quickly. I don't know where we're going to get the money, but I didn't. all this is a miracle to me. Can I just tell you, every bit of it's a miracle to me. Where are we going to get the money? I don't know where we're going to get the money. Where, how are we going to build this? I don't know how we're going to build this. There's stages to it, and this, but I do believe that. And, of course, this is towards the end of, uh, of uh, you know, I, some of us may not see all of it. I don't know what's going to happen. But you do what you're called to do, and you have a calling, and we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. You mind if I open in some prayer? Let's just ask the Lord to be here. Lord Jesus, in that first song, we found that we do. We bow down before you. We worship you. We bow at your feet. Uh, we do that. I know there may be here some on watching on, uh, on television or online or that just don't know you yet, and they don't know the brilliance of how much of your glory and how much you love them. They may feel quite alienated from you and even have gone to the place that they might suggest that you don't even exist because of their sense of alienation from an obviously, an obviously a divine mind behind whatever's been created out there. It had to have a beginning. That something just doesn't come from nothing. So, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us in unique ways. And, Lord, give me the right words and the right spirit in which to communicate a very challenging topic, the mother of Jesus. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, let me just say this at the outset. We as fallen humanity have always had a tendency to fall off on the horse on one side or the other. We tend to either elevate the created order to a place that it was never intended to be elevated Or we demean creation, not recognizing that everyone is created in the very image of God. 
And we, anytime we treat with hostility someone, even an enemy, Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, we can tend to do one side or the other. I, I think what we're going to see here this morning is Jesus was already anticipating the elevation, the elevation, maybe even of his mother and brothers and those near him, elevation of the created order to, into a place that they themselves wouldn't even want. Or desire to go. Now, this is challenging, and I said before, this is not. This is not Catholic bashing. This is not. I'm telling you. And I, why would you say that? Well, for those of you who don't know, my precious in-laws live with us, have for 15 years. They go to mass, then they come here to Church of the Red Door. And if I should be doing that, it wouldn't be a very nice lunch that we might have today, or dinner, or breakfast tomorrow, or any other thing. And I love them. I. I watch their devotion to Jesus. I watch their compassion. So this is not Catholic, non-Catholic, but if we're going to go through line by line, we have to address the text. We have to address what Jesus talked about and what he said. Some of you uh, may be currently Catholic. Some of you are identified as Catholic. Catholic just means universal, but you know what I'm talking about. Some of you may uh, maybe not be Catholic anymore and not, you know... This is not about that. This is about something much deeper, and it goes beyond Mary. It goes to our fallen nature of wanting to elevate the created order to a place that it wasn't intended to be elevated. Again, that's not good for you, and it's not good to the created order that is elevated to that place. Are you ready to roll? Luke chapter 11, verse 27. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Now, if there's ever time for Jesus to elevate and go, you're right, my mom is something extraordinary, and she was, and Jesus often, you, you have to understand, as we'll see, Mary played a very substantive role. But, but Jesus said, on the contrary, you want to talk about blessedness? Here's the blessed ones. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God. How do we view Mary? Well, if you'll remember back in Luke chapter 8, we kind of came across this. I alluded to it, but didn't go into the depth that I will here today. Luke chapter 8, hearken back a few months. And his mother and his brothers came to him, and they were unable to get to him because of the crowd. And it was reported to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wishing to see you. Now, for those of you who watched the Super Bowl this last week, I, I, you know, um, sorry for you non-Rams fans. And again, somebody corrected me last week. You were right. I know the Bengals are orange and black, but somehow I orange and brown. But the Bengals are orange and black. We know that. They played a very healthy game, but they couldn't quite beat the Rams. And uh, I don't see anybody clapping. I don't see anybody. So nobody cares about football, which is perfectly okay. But I will tell you. But I will tell you that you need some VIP passes to get onto the field after the game. You need some VIP passes to get. Some of those seats were selling for over $100,000. The average price in the nosebleeds of the nosebleeds was six or $7,000 from what I could see. And I just thought that's extraordinary. But to get in down onto the field, to be in the owner's box, is it, you know, it, who, deser who would deserve to be in the owner's box of Jesus' owner's box more than his, his mother, who sacrificed so much, and his brothers? I mean, who, if anybody is now is the moment for Jesus to go, of course, usher them in, give them some credentials, get them in here. I mean, and again, he responds in a similar way. 
He says, but he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So we get two things. On the contrary, you want to know who's blessed? Those who hear the word of God and observe it. You want to know who's blessed? You want to know really who gets the backstage pass? Anybody who hears my word and does it. Is this in any way demeaning to Mary? Not at all. In fact, I'm going to show you some ways that I think historically the church has made the mistake, and I am guilty of this, of not honoring Mary to the degree that she should be honored. I'm going to show you why I believe that's true. Now, first of all, if you've had a Catholic background, or you, we have to deal with John 19, and there's two ways to deal with it. John 19, verse 26, listen to what Jesus, he saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved. I love that, by the way. John's writing about himself and the disciple in which he loved. And there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, you can have a personal relationship, even if you've never had it today, with God and say, he loves me. He's got, you know, he's, he really knows my name. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows everything about me. He really has a special place for me in his heart. And many people just, I just can't even imagine having that attitude. That was John's attitude. And then verse 20, it's, uh, 20, and it said, excuse me, uh, pardon me. He said, saw his mother and standing nearby, and he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. He's on the cross, by the way. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. Now, there historically, there are two ways of viewing this particular passage. Okay, we don't know about Joseph. Joseph's not really mentioned after a certain point in the Bible. Had Joseph died? We just really, some things we don't know about Joseph. And it was his mother there, and she was at the cross. And you can imagine a woman who's now, if Joseph is out of the picture and would rely maybe here on her son here, well, you can see that Jesus has a compassionate concern for his mom. Says, okay, John behold your mother, and then obviously it says, and then he took her into his own household. So some would say he's just there to provide for her and watch over her. It's a difficult culture. It's very male-centric, uh, and this is just where it was. But from a historical perspective, from a, a Catholic perspective in many ways, this is more than that. Uh, Mary is now becoming what Jesus was. Jesus became the new Adam, and there is a view that Mary is now the new Eve, the spiritual mother of the church at large. And that's where you get, there has been nothing ever in the history of the church. More pictures and statues and everything else, and everywhere you go, you're going to see Mary, 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 everywhere. And, uh, and, and so what, what do you do with that? And so again, my, my, my primary purpose this morning is not to denigrate, not to speak down to, not to be condescending in any way, shape, or form, but let's deal with the text. And I'm going to, at the end, give you my take on what Mary thinks about all this. Maybe you have thought of that, and maybe you haven't thought about all that. First of all, what about the people like me who've never really given Mary her due? Let's think about this for a second. Do you realize the sacrifice she made? as an unwed mother, potentially to betrothed, to take on and agree to the parameters set out knowing that she could be a permanent scarlet letter on her for the rest of her life, and God knows what else. And even after Jesus was born, there, was, there were going to be many things that were going to come her way, and it was going to pierce her soul to the very oh, it was going to be brutal for her, and she took it on as a humble bond slave. Is, is she do anything? Well, Proverbs 3, if you know anything at all about Proverbs, says, render to everything 
It rendered everybody what is due them, to tax whom taxes due, custom to custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor is due. Is it okay to honor Mary? Of course it is. In fact, I think non-Catholics tend to shy away from the feeling that, that Mary is over-exalted and really not talk about her that much, and she should be women. She's played a role that is extraordinary in the life of the church and certainly in the life of the creator of the cosmos. Have you ever thought about maybe being in eternity and, and meeting people from generations gone by? I mean, there's a lot of people that I would love to meet and will love to meet and want to sit down and have dinner. We've got all of eternity. It's not like anybody's going anywhere, right? I mean, we've just got all of eternity to be together with no more tears and the beauty of the new heavens and the new earth. I, I, I try to dream about that sometimes, but it's hard because you're thinking, you know, well, what is that going to be like? Uh, is it a, a continuous worship service and you don't need the light because the, the God and the throne and light? And, and it's just, I don't know, it's hard to grasp. It's very hard to grasp. But I'll tell you, if I were to walk by Mary and know that it was Mary, I'd go, oh, there's Mary. And you just keep going. I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to see and meet, and I hope to one day maybe have her at least over for some coffee. And, and you know, Jesus said that you use your money for righteousness. You'd be invited to, into eternal dwellings. She will be have a special invitation from me. I'm not just going to walk by. Why? Well, some people imagine that you go into heaven and it's a zero-sum game and everybody kind of, you know, starts over. Revelation doesn't say that at all. Revelation 14 says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow with them. You're not saved by your deeds at all, but once you become born again and connected to that vine, that beautiful flow of the Spirit's going to work through you, and to the degree that you have calling, and you do, and to the degree that you are saying you pursue that as your highest priority and don't let all the peripheral idolatry crowd the voice out, and to the point that you live into that, let me tell you something, those deeds will follow with you for all of eternity. Do you believe that? You might ask yourself, would my actions suggest that I believe that my life lived out for the glory of King Jesus will follow with me? Yes, Paul, who was thrown outside of the city, left for dead, shipwrecked, flogged, beaten, I mean, within an inch of his life, all of that follows with him. He did it for the glory of Jesus, but it follows with him every penny that was given in the name of Jesus, remember Jesus said, even a cup of water given to one of these little ones in my name, surely that person will not lose their reward. In other words, their deeds will follow with them. You don't think Mary has some pretty profound deeds. Wow, I just can't imagine Mary. It's just unbelievable. Mary. Did you realize that Mary of all women, I mean, you can talk about being favored. Can you imagine? Listen to this encounter you'll remember from Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. 
She was perplexed at this statement. I love that. It just shows her humility. Some think she could have been between 12 and 16 years old, a very young woman. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this was, and the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do you realize that there are people on the earth that are particularly favored by God? I'm not going to get into the whole idea of predestination and, you know, God loves his, these kids more than he loves these kids. I'm just telling you, the Lord looks down on the earth and he looks for those whose hearts are fully his. And Mary, he found one in Mary, as was indicative as a function of her response, right? I mean, she just says, let it be done to your bondservant, as you've said. I mean, at the whole thing, at this whole idea of her potentially losing life as she knew it, and she, said, and she basically said, okay, the will of the Lord be done. It very much resembled the nature of Jesus on the cross or in the Garden of Gethsemane prior to the cross when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. She was favored. Do you get that? You have to understand that. She was also as blessed as any woman has ever been. I mean, Luke chapter 1, verse 42, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to the city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when she heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Now, if you have a Catholic background or you're currently practicing Catholic, you've heard that a few times, maybe many, many times based upon praying the rosary or all the different, th- different things that go along with that, was she favored? Absolutely. Was she the blessed among women? How could you be more blessed than to carry the very creator of the universe for nine months? So what do we do that? We just have a tendency to then take the created order, which Mary was, and elevate it to a place, and it usually then can lead to our own disappointment. We do it all the time. Now, let's move past Mary for a minute and talk about pastors among evangelicals or spiritual leaders or Paul or whoever, historically, anybody that would be a little bit, play a little bit more visible role, someone who gives substantially into the kingdom. Is honor due? Yes. Has God favored them? Yes. Are they blessed in what they're doing? Absolutely, without any equivocation on that, zero. But to what point do we stop and recognize, but this is the created order? You look back historically, I even think about uh, Numbers chapter 21, where they were told to put up on the standard the bronze serpent, right? We've ta- talked about that before as a picture of the cross. You know, Jesus was going to take on sin, and as they were to look at the bronze serpent, they're being bitten by these snakes. It's a picture of the spiritual forces uh, in the seen realm, they're in the unseen realm, and they look, and then they're, they're, they're okay. And But guess what Israel did? They took the bronze serpents, and then later in Israel's history, we get that they were bowing down and worshiping it again like it was an idol. We just have a tendency to do that. Why? Because the unseen realm is hard to navigate. God, are you out there? Is there any, are, you, are you out there? And then it's just quiet. And so we get distracted, and we get distracted by the Phoenix Open. Look, 800,000 people last week going absolutely bonkers. They had a little help from some of the beverage companies, I'm sure, but nevertheless, I mean, we just will, we will just bow down before anything. Of course, you might ask the question, well, what is worship anyway? 
What does it even mean? The Greek word proskuneo is really a picture. It actually is derived from a, a, from a word they believe that is talking about a, a dog who licks its master's hand. It's paying homage, but in the end, and I can shorten this, it's anything that we actually take a knee for, we bow before. Anytime we're bowing before something, uh, or, or we're playing, you know, think about it in the animal kingdom. If you have a pack of dogs, you have the alpha dog, and then once the alpha dog comes in, some of the other dogs will go down, at least go down, and sometimes even roll over on their back in submission to. It gives you that kind of picture. That's what, that's not honor. That takes it to level three, right? I mean, that's, that's the next level kind of stuff. That's not paying honor where honor is due. That is now a submission that is undue unless it's due, right? So worship in this context is when we take something, and again, we, we elevate it to alpha male, and everybody then submits to that, to that person, place, or thing. We can make anything in the created order when we can bow down before it, whether it be materialism or greed, or, and it's functional idolatry is what it is. Now... Having said that, I, I would like to maybe do a little case study with you, if you don't mind. And I want to talk to you about a few different people who had this. So if we just take this quick little tour de force of some, stace, uh, some case studies in the Bible, what happened as an example for, with Cornelius? For those of you who don't know who Cornelius is, in, Luke, in Acts chapter 10, he was the first Gentile, part of the Italian cohort that was really, he had a vision and some... And, and this, and he was told to go down to what's modern-day Tel Aviv, would have been Joppa during that time, and then make their way back up the Mediterranean going north, almost to where it would be, you know, modern-day Lebanon, Assyria in that age, and you're just working your way north, and then you finally get to where he, he was living. And he, he just knew this was a supernatural encounter. There's no doubting that at all. So Peter finally decides, he, he gets a vision of these three sheets coming down, he agrees, so he comes in, and when Peter walks in, he's the answer to this spiritual quest and this, this thing that had happened to Cornelius, and what does Cornelius do almost immediately? He falls to the ground, and he begins to worship Peter. And what is Peter's response? Kiss my ring, you know, kiss, kiss my hand, lick my hand. Little, I'm the alpha dog here, lick my hand. I mean, that's where we get that word. No, you know what he said? He said, stand up, I too, I too am a man. Or what about Acts chapter 14? Do you see this is the human nature? This is the fallen nature. You are built to worship. Built to worship. You are built to bow down to the creator of the universe for your mental health and for the mental health of well, not of God. Does God need anything? Is he an egomaniac? For you, you are built to worship. You're designed and functioned to worship. But when we feel alienated or we can't see what we're worshiping, we find something else and we'll bow down at anything. And that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 14. They were on the, they were in Lystra and, and they were there and they healed a guy. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it's amazing. It was a supernatural thing. It was amazing. And instantly they began to, to worship them and bow down and get, bring gifts and everything. And this is Zeus and this is Hermes. And what did Paul and Barnabas do? 
good for you, you know, you know, bow down, you know, we're, 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 we know the living God and we're his ambassadors, you know, no, they began to tear their clothes off and said, don't you guys understand, we are of a nature just like you. Now, they had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them. They were born again, for sure. They even had the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That had happened in Acts chapter 2. But they still, we still are of the created order. Stand up. Whatever you do, don't bow the knee to us. There's just case after case after case. I want to do this last little study. We'll look at John the Baptist. We'll go in a little bit more detail before we close here. John the Baptist, of all people. I mean, can you imagine somebody writing about your life even one year before you're born and then giving some details about you? How about 700 years before you? Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 40 said this specifically about John the Baptist. Jesus corroborated this story as well. In Isaiah chapter 40, a voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Who? Who's the voice in the wilderness? And then John comes along 700 years later and he emerges and they ask him and he says, I'm that. And we'll see that in a second. Or Malachi, another place that very specifically, John the Baptist has prophesied, Malachi 3.1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. This was the very last book written in the Tanakh or the Old Testament, Malachi, probably 400 plus years before the time of Jesus. Again, speaking specifically about John. What do you do with that? Boy, that could get you pretty uppity. But listen to what John says, excuse me, John the Baptist says in John 1.19. This is the testimony of John. Okay, you want to know what John says about John? I'll tell you what John says about John. Let's let him speak for himself. When the Jews sent him to, to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and didn't deny, but confessed, well, I'm not the Christ. Well, are you Elijah? And I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. And then they said, well, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? What does John say about himself? Two, two major prophets are writing about you hundreds of years in advance. If anybody's going to walk around and say, I'm the king, I'm the king, you know. I, I, if anybody's going to do that, it's going to be John. Now's the moment. John, put yourself up on a pedestal. He says, well, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He didn't back away from his calling. Can I tell you, I've never backed away from my calling. I had a funny story. It was not so funny. It was actually pretty discouraging to me. But it was just part of what happens when you come to know Jesus. Um, Dave Stockton Jr. is a good friend of mine, and we used to travel and play, and he had a good, a good friend of his. And now his father's coming to one of the studies that I lead and starting to learn more about Jesus. And so he started to want to tell his son about this Bible study that he's going to. And he talked, and the guy was like, Jeff Cranford is the lead of your, is leading your Bible study? Now, you got to remember, this is 35-some-odd years ago. He goes, no way. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. I, 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 there's, there's no bragging about calling. I've been given everything I have. 
I so much don't deserve to be standing in front of you. I shouldn't even be let me. I should be out there buying jujubes and going. In fact, when I was studying a little bit and just praying a little bit before I came in, I walked into one of the theaters over here, and I came in. I didn't realize in the movie that's going to show at one fifteen was the cursed, and I went. That was perfect for me. I mean, I was just like, you know, I was cursed. I was living under a curse, and then the gracious gift of the creator of the universe. So there's no pride in this, but I'm also willing to say I have a calling. I'm unambiguous about that. We're going to reach this desert. We're going to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to see people equipped for the work of service, and I cannot wait to see what happens around the globe as people are beginning to to be trained to be followers of Jesus, and especially in this demographic, I cannot imagine what's going to happen way beyond my tenure. So John was like, well, I am that voice. He says, make, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet had said about me. Now that's, you know, he was talking about me. But then listen, well, they had been sent by the Pharisees, and they asked him and said to him, well, why then are you baptizing if you're not Christ or Elijah or the prophet? And he says, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. You can't see him. Well, you can see him, but you don't have any clue who that really is. You can't really see him as he is. You just think he's a rabble rouser from Nazareth. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. And then verse 29, the next day he saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I do because he existed when? Before me. This is the preexistent Jesus. This is God in human flesh. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And, and, and what's fascinating, he says, I didn't even recognize him. But so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. I've seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained on him, and I didn't recognize him. But he who sent me to baptize in water said, he upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on it. Now this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. I'm not, even I'm not even worthy enough to untie his sandals. He would go on to say, Jesus, baptize you. I have need to be baptized by you because I'm a, I'm a filthy mess. And yet he was one of the most righteous forerunners. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then right, and prior to his death, listen, John 3, John's last testimony, verse 22, these things Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea, and there he was spending time and baptizing John was baptizing as well. And then, and then let's go down to verse 25. Therefore, there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples with a Jew about purification. They came to John and said, Rabbi, he who's with you beyond the Jordan to whom you testified, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. Now stop for a second. Remember what you get with the Pharisees and many of the religious leaders. They said, if we let this keep going on, they're going to take away our nation and our place in this nation. In other words, we got a pretty cushy life right now. Religion, religion was pretty good to them back then, right? We've got a pretty cushy gig. If we let this go on, so they started to plot to kill Jesus. And then he raised Lazarus, and they were even plotting to kill Lazarus. 
because they were afraid they were going to lose their position. And John now, inversely, knowing who he's dealing with, and this is what you have to get, he said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You're my witnesses. I am not the Christ. I have been sent ahead of him. He has the bride as the bridegroom and the friend of the bridegroom and stands and hears him and rejoices greatly because of his voice. So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. You want to know what a true follower of Jesus looks like? Always deflecting, always humble, always. Look, if you have anybody in your life that purportedly is any part of religious leadership and you, you see a growing pride and a growing willingness to have people, not literally maybe, but bow down to them or to, to honor them beyond what is due, be careful. If you see that in me, fire me. Get rid of me. Right? Still love me. Try to nurse me back to health, you know. But don't let me be in this pulpit. And I'm not above reproach, promise you. I, 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 there is everything in me. See, if you understand Satan is behind this, there's only one place I see where somebody really wanted to be worshipped in the text. Very, obviously non-believers, but those. Now, Satan, listen to Matthew chapter 4. Satan said to Jesus, all these things I give to you if you will just fall down and worship me. Anything in you that needs, doesn't want the glory to be deflected but to go to you is part of your fallen nature part of Satan himself. Anything in you that always has to say, I need it to come to me. I need to get the credit. I need everybody to see me. That's why Jesus, for your own mental health, is saying when you give, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. When you do things, do it quietly and behind the scenes. Now, obviously, I'm in a position where I'm visible, but even so, you need to know I bow the knee. I bow the knee. There's no alpha male in me. There's one alpha male. His name is Jesus. I didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. John knew it. Paul knew it. Barnabas knew it. Peter knew it. Even John, you know, he even made the mistake. Revelation 22. John, when he heard these things, and when I heard, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. He was getting a revelation, and even the angel said, don't do that. I am a fellow servant of yours. See, we see this over and over in Scripture. The only one that stands up and says, worship me, is is our adversary. To the degree that you stand up or elevate any of the created order to a place of extreme worship, and not just honor, not being favored. No, I'm talking next level stuff. Celebrity status. Call it what you want then be careful because Satan can attack very easily that way. And then finally, verse 31, he who comes from above is from above, and he who is from the earth is from the earth, and he speaks of the earth, and he comes from, but he who comes from heaven, well, he is above all. In closing, I just want to show you this last picture of John and his humility, and it is so, again, this is, this goes way beyond Mary. It's not, this is not, this is not a, a message on Catholicism versus Protestantism. It's not. It really is not. We have to understand we are built to worship. If you're not worshiping the creator of the universe, you will, in lieu of him, find something to worship. And you'll always be disappointed. 
and you'll always come up short, and you'll never be content. Jesus said, if you'll follow me, I'll give you life, and I'll give you life more abundantly. Matthew 11. Preached on this many times. It's had such a profound impact on me. Uh, John is having a midlife crisis. He's in prison. He's not perfect. If Jesus was ever going to find a time to you know, talk to him aggressively, it would be now. Verse 7 says these men were going away. Jesus began to speak to the crowds because John had said, is he the one or should we start looking for somebody else? He's in prison. It's like, he, I thought I had the right guy, but maybe I missed him. What did you, Jesus then said, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. Living in Coachella Valley. What did you go out to see? A prophet? I'm telling you, it's a lot more than a prophet. This is whom was written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. Again, Jesus saying, that's the guy. The prophet saw John coming, and then he said this, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, now that would include Mary and everybody else, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist to that point. John's the greatest. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We see, once the Spirit was poured out, John died before the atonement was made, died before the permanent indwelling of the Spirit would come. But Jesus said right there, you want to know who's the greatest? You guys are always arguing about who's the greatest. Disciples, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? That's all you hear anymore. Goat. I'm so tired of hearing goat. I don't even like goat's milk or goat's cheese or any of that anymore just because goat. Greatest of all time. Who's the, who's the goat in basketball? Who's the goat in football? Who's the goat in golf? Who's the goat? I'm just like, please. There's one goat. And he's the antithesis of the goat. He's the lamb. So, what do we do with this? Don't elevate the seen realm. Elevate the unseen through Jesus. If you're going to pray, direct it towards the creator of the universe. Jesus taught us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. The Bible says pray in Jesus' name. Pray towards the Father. Pray with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as we looked at a few weeks ago. Ask for the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you in your prayers. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You want mediation? You want intercession? You want all that? Please don't dishonor Mary by not talking about her or by advocating that, you know, we shouldn't pay that much attention to Mary. You know, she didn't play that big a role. She played a huge role. Favored, blessed among women. Unbelievable what she did. Can't wait to meet her. But Jesus died for his own mom. Jesus died for John the Baptist. I'm asking you this morning. What would all those people want today, knowing what they know now? And they knew a lot back then, but now they even know more. Would Mary want you to in any way do anything other than completely deflect and go straight to the one mediator of all time? She would. She's worthy of honor. But she's still part of the created order. So as we close with this song, and I'm going to have Pastor Paul come up and close us in prayer, I just want you to really think, this is an honoring tribute to the mother of Jesus. 
She deserves it. What a task. You want to emulate somebody? You do her. She's someone to follow in terms of a pattern. She's awesome. Let's let's. Watch.